Welcome to Discovery Library and Archives Canada. Your history, your documentary heritage. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard. Join us as we showcase treasures from our vaults, guide you through our many services, and introduce you to the people who acquire safeguard and make known Canada's documentary heritage. Curling could be considered the unofficial national sport of Canada. In this episode, we will explore the game's evolution, its development as an organized sport, and the creation of a Canadian curling culture. We will also let you know about the extensive collection of materials at Library and Archives Canada related to the history and the development of curling in Canada. If you're interested in viewing images associated with this podcast, you can follow along by viewing our Flickr gallery. You can access a direct link at bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcasts. Our guest for this episode is Warren Hansen. Warren is not only a curling historian and expert, but a Canadian men's curling champion. He and his Alberta team, skipped by Hector Gervais, won the 1974 Briar. Recently retired, Warren had worked for the Canadian Curling Association since 1974. We asked Warren about his background and his involvement with curling. He joins us by phone from Vancouver. Well, I've been around the sport of curling most of my life. Uh, it would go back to the early 60s. I guess I started curling actually in 1958. And I played a lot competitively through the uh, 60s. Um, I went into curling as a business probably in the early 70s, initially running a curling school operation that went across Canada through northern U.S. and parts of Europe. Uh, including Japan. And I started working for the Canadian Curling Association in 1974, which actually happened to be the same year that I was on a team that won the Briar. So curling is in my blood. It's been running through my veins for a long time, and most things that have happened in the last 50 years, I certainly am pretty familiar with. Library and Archives Canada has an extensive collection of holdings related to the history and development of curling in Canada. LAC has records from the two former national governing bodies regulating the sport. Canadian Curling Association, and the Canadian Ladies Curling Association. The two bodies were amalgamated in 1990 into one single national body, the Canadian Curling Association, which is now known as Curling Canada. The exact origins of the game of curling are not completely clear. We asked Warren what his thoughts on this topic were. Well, if you look back into history, there's evidence that suggests it actually originated in Holland. There's a painting that goes back into the 1400s that actually people think depicts curling. However... It somehow got transferred to Scotland, and there's very solid evidence of it in Scotland in probably as far back as 1541, but actually 1630 is when people feel it originally started in Scotland. Okay. And to go back to the Dutch one, is that the Bruegel painting? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The Bruegel paintings asked Warren about are by Peter Bruegel, a Dutch Renaissance painter. The two oil paintings, Winter Landscape with a Bird Trap, and The Hunters in the Snow, appear to depict curling in its earliest form. Both paintings are from 1565. But there is strong evidence that Scotland was, indeed, the location of the game's origin. Curling stones dated 1511 and 1551 were uncovered when a pond in Dunblane was drained. These stones are still on display at the Stirling Smith Art Gallery and Museum in Stirling, Scotland. There is also some debate about where and when the first curling club was established, but there is no doubt about it being in Scotland. The earliest printed reference to curling dates from the 1600s. In the poem, Muses' Threnody of Mirthful Mornings on the Death of Mr. Gull, poet Henry Adamson writes of his friend Mr. Gull, a citizen of Perth and a gentleman of goodly stature and pregnant wit much given to pastime as golf archery curling and jovial company. As time went on, references to curling became more frequent. The first description of an actual curling game appeared in the Weekly magazine in 1771 by Scottish poet James Graham. Well, it was originally played on ponds in Scotland with uh, virtually rough pebbles and rocks that were reshaped into what we know today as a curling stone, and certainly initially was very crude, and uh, that's where it virtually started, and it grew for some reason in Scotland. Scott has, Scotland has delivered two things to us, golf and curling, but it got transferred to, to Canada back in the 1700s, and actually in the year 1759, there's history that suggests that it was played on the St. Charles River in Quebec by the 78th Highlanders, who got stranded there over the winter, shortly after the, the war. And they actually reshaped cannonballs into curling rocks that they used on the St. Charles River. Okay. That, that's how far back it goes in Canada. Interesting enough, its original origins being in Quebec, but uh, today, probably per capita, Quebec is one of the lower provinces when it comes to uh, numbers of curlers. LAC also holds documents relating to some of the oldest curling clubs in Canada, the Royal Montreal Curling Club, created in 1807, and the Montreal Caledonia Curling Club, created in 1850. The Royal Caledonian Curling Club, Canadian branch Fond, is of special interest. The organization was created in 1852 when curling clubs in Quebec and Ontario decided to join together to establish the branch to promote the game in Canada. The phone includes minute books, letter books, incoming correspondence, financial material, and other records of the Canadian branch. It also includes minute books of the Granite Curling Association, 1924-1950, and records of the Ladies Curling Association, 1904-1986. LAC also has the papers of the first historian of the branch, Howard Highland Ward. The language of curling is quite unique. We asked Warren where some of the common curling terms originated from. Well, a lot of it again goes back to Scotland, and I think one of the most interesting terms in curling is the hog line. And the hog line is at each end of the sheet of ice, and for a rock to be in play when it's delivered, it has to cross that line, and actually at the other end when you throw the stone, you must release the rock before it reaches the hog line. And people wonder where the term hog comes from. If you go back into Scottish history, you actually find that hog was what was referred to was a lost sheep. Ah. And so I guess a rock that doesn't cross the hog line is lost, which is where it originates. So, again, many of the terms, the, the foothold, the hack, which was originally the crappet and uh, 
became the hack again are all terms that came from from Scotland. rich in tradition and etiquette. Warren explains some of these to us and their continued importance to the game today. Well, I think, again, it's a, a game, golf and curling, were both originate in Scotland, and the, and the ethic uh, part of it and the code of conduct in both sports are, are very similar. They're, they're both very honorable games, and most of the emphasis on participating by the rules and regulations are placed on each participant themselves, and it's a great dishonor to have violated any of the rules or etiquette of the sport. Mm-hmm. And uh, golf and curling are very similar from that point of view, and a lot of those codes of conduct and ethic that goes back to the original uh, aspects of the game are still with us today. Right. So like the spirit, the good sportsmanship. and The um, good sportsmanship, the spirit of if I do something wrong, I will be the first to admit it. Yes, if I touch a stone I will in fact by accident. the penalty on myself rather yeah. than you having to do it. Certainly at the high level of both golf and curling, that probably doesn't uh, 100% exist today because of what's involved. But still, for the most part, you'll find in both sports, I think, that the players themselves are very uh, quick to uh, offer uh, the fact that they did something wrong if, in fact, they are aware of it. Curling clubs seem to have become a staple of so many communities in Canada. Today, there are over 1,200 clubs with 1.5 million Canadians playing the sport. Interestingly, over two-thirds of all Canadian clubs are in the four western provinces. I think interesting enough as to how curling evolved in Canada, I mentioned it started in Quebec and it flowed into Ontario, but where it really seemed to prosper and and grow was in western Canada. And certainly if we look back even today, the the biggest strength of the sport per capita are probably in the province of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Alberta. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, when the West was settled, one of the first things that became in existence in every community was a curling rink. Many people think it was a hockey rink, but I, I tend to differ. I believe it was a curling rink. It became the sort of the center of the social uh, hub for all these little communities as Western Canada developed. And if you go into a province like Saskatchewan, you can go into many of these small towns and still see a two-sheet naturalized curling club that uh, probably was originally put there uh, a couple of hundred years ago. Right. So, so that's sort of way how it how it became really part of the fabric of the community and part of the fabric of the country, is particularly how it developed in Western Canada. Yeah, and it, and it became a uh, sort of a social it had a strong social aspect <coughs> as yes, well. Yes, it became it became the social hub of many uh, many communities as to people went there as sort of their it was part of their entertainment and part of their social life was to be part of the local curling club. Right. And because the curling clubs were covered indoors, they probably were a little more appealing, I think, than. Uh, the, the hockey, hockey rinks, and yes. certainly the curling aspect appealed to men and women equally, which also is what made it unique. Government records also provide documentation on the expansion of curling across Canada, including northern and western Canada, where the sport has become very popular. For example, the records of the Office of the Director of Colonization and Agriculture of the Canadian National Railways Fund includes files related to the development of curling clubs in Saskatchewan. In your opinion... Do you think that curling can be seen as a reflection of Canadian identity? 
I, I do. I mean, many people feel feel that hockey is truly the national sport of Canada, along with lacrosse, and curling kind of steps into the background to some degree. Mm-hmm. But I think it more reflects who Canadians are as far as the type of activity it is and how you conduct yourself in playing it. There, there's no fighting, and there's right. no attempt to uh, to brutalize your opponent in any way, shape, or form. Quite the opposite. And, yes. Uh, I think it very much reflects uh, Canadian ideals from that point of view. Yes. LIC also holds many publications related to curling, including the first Canadian publication relating to the sport, James Bickett's The Canadian Curler's Manual, which was published in 1840. Early visual depictions of curling games and teams from the 1830s until the First World War can be found on numerous documentary art and photographic holdings held by LIC. They provide researchers with unique information on the origin and the development of curling in Canada. Researchers can also view material from LAC's extensive collection of audiovisual material, which documents national and international curling competitions, as well as the practice of curling in Canadian communities. Curling has dramatically developed over the years on its way to becoming a recognized Olympic sport with high-performing athletes. Can you explain for us the process behind this evolution? Yeah, I, I can, because I was a person very much uh, involved in creating that evolution. Um, when I played the sport as a top competitor back in the 60s and 70s, things were very club-based, and it was still <clears throat> very much every man's sport, and it was unique in those days that the playoffs to the Briar, the Canadian Men's Championship, started in every curling club in Canada every year, and to actually have a team that competed at that level, you all had to be members of the same club. Right. And it was, again, very social and uh, very much uh, a gentleman's game, and uh, it didn't really have a high athletic uh, component attached to it. Um, myself and a few others that came along in the 60s and 70s, though, began to change a lot of that as to how we approached it from an athletic point of view and realized it very much was an athletic skill like everything else if it was performed properly at the top level. Um, I was very much involved in trying to change the image and the direction of the sport through the late 70s and early 80s that was able to get it in as a demonstration sport in the Olympics in 1988 in Calgary and ultimately become a medal sport in 1992 um, out of meetings held in Barcelona, Spain at the 92 Olympics. Mm-hmm. That, to some degree, changed a lot of the, I, I suppose, the, the manner how curling was looked upon by many people, and it changed it from being a club-based sport that everything to do with the sport came out of the club to we now created and begin the creation of a high-performance, high-performing per- athlete aspect of the sport that didn't exist before. And to that degree, there has been a bit of a, 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 we're still at a bit of a confusing time in the fact that these very highly toned, high-performance athletes are still intermingled with the club athletes to some degree. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on, they are more and more and more moving out into sort of a, a branch of their own, which probably they should be like in any other sport. And they're no longer really part of that club element that uh, existed back in the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s. We asked Warren if he thought this evolution made it more difficult for club players to compete against these high-performance athletes. Uh, I believe it's a natural evolution. The fact there are still lots of competitions for people to play in that aren't in that high-performance group. Right. Um, we're still a little bit fuzzy as to who belongs where, but I think it's slowly sorting itself out. I don't think it, uh, it is harmful to the sport. And, and you again get arguments that, that the people look at this in different ways. I think the fact that it's, it's got Olympic uh, a, a profile, the fact that Canadians 
consistently win medals at the Olympics in curling yeah. adds to its overall attraction. And oh, I think absolutely. certainly for the younger people, I think it makes it more appealing to them. And if you're a Canadian kid and you want to have a good chance of winning an Olympic medal, I can't think of a sport that you would better select in curling to have the best chance. How do you envision the future of curling in Canada? I think curling has a very bright future in Canada. I think it has a very bright future around the world. Uh, it has certainly progressed in Canada faster and better than anywhere else on the, on the in, entire planet. Yeah. Um, and uh, the questions as to why has that happened, I suppose we could talk for the next hour as to determine that factor. But, I mean, if we look at the curling world overall today, which has probably about 55 countries involved, the number of players in Canada would probably far outnumber the rest of the curling world put together. Right. The interesting aspect of all is probably the second biggest curling nation in the world with regard to numbers is the United States, yet it's still very small. And the United States has not done very well at the high performance level in probably the last 25 years. Yes. However, I think things that there are in just the edge of beginning to catch hold because the Olympics has had a huge impact on the United States from an awareness point of view with the populace overall. Yes. And it seemingly they are very attracted to the sport of curling. Hmm. So I look in the years ahead as to how many years that's going to take that there's going to become a far bigger involvement by the Americans with the sport. And as a result, that's going to be a spinoff into Canada. Yeah. And I think even though the sport's done very well in Canada, as a result of all this, it will do better. And, and I look for the future of curling, not just in Canada, but the rest of the world, over the next 10 to 15 years, to be very bright. The Canadian men's and women's team both won gold at the last Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. We wondered what impact this would have on the sport in Canada. I think it can have nothing but a positive impact because of the... Uh, the type of players that won those gold medals in Sochi, they are younger, they're very athletic, they're very well trained, they're very disciplined, they're fine examples of athletes for any sport. And I think young people seeing that uh, are certainly going to be attracted to the sport of curling and, and want to be part of it and want to participate and certainly want to emulate the people what they saw win gold medals in Sochi. The Canadian Olympians database on LEC's website also includes photos of Canadian curling team members at the Winter Olympics from 1988 to 2002. They include the Canadian women's team led by Sandra Schmerler, which won the first Canadian curling gold medal at the Winter Olympics. Schmerler's international success on the curling sheets is also highlighted in LEC's Celebrating Women's Achievement series of web articles. We asked Warren to share with us some of his special memories and curling experiences. I have probably two great memories from curling that I suppose will cherry, I will cherish the rest of my life. Certainly the first one, which was uh, an unbelievable experience, was being on a team that won the Briar in 1974, and uh, particularly because I'd, I'd worked very hard for a period of time to try and get to that pinnacle, and uh, to have done that was, uh, was an unbelievable feeling of success. I think the second thing that uh, has been a, a fact of my curling life that will stay with me forever was my involvement and participation in being part of the process that actually got curling to eventually become a medal sport in the Olympics in 1998. 
And I think on a small side note of having developed a game called Mixed Doubles in 2001 to be part of the Continental Cup and to find out last June that that sport is actually going to be a medal sport in uh, the Olympics in 2018 also uh, was, was a huge thrill and something yes. I always remember. Any final thoughts, Warren? I just think it's, it's somewhat of an amazing story to some degree of, uh, as to where this sport came from and how it moved into this country and how it grew in Canada. And for this very niche sport to be very part of the Canadian fabric, more so than practically any other sport, including hockey. And for, I think, the Canadians to be the ones who did, in fact, drive the bus in this whole thing initially to get the sport into, into Calgary in 1980 as a demonstration, and then to the final aspect of it becoming a medal sport. There's three medals now being contested in the 2018 Winter Games that uh, came into existence primarily through the whole focus of the sport of curling. So I think that's kind of unique. I, I can't think of any other sport that, that, that could probably make that claim from a Canadian point of view as to this is where it's come from and this is what it's been very instrumental to make happen. To learn more about curling, please visit us online at bac-lac.gc.ca. On our homepage, select Discover the Collection, then click on Browse by Topic and select Sports. On this page, we'll find a link to our website, Bonspiel, The History of Curling in Canada. There you will find a written history of the game, an extensive image gallery, educational resources, and multiple links for further research. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard, and you've been listening to Discover Library and Archives Canada, where Canadian history, literature, and culture await you. A very special thanks to our guest today, Warren Hansen. Also a thanks to LAC Senior Archivist, Normand Laplante. For more information about our podcast, or if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please visit us at bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcasts.